Hello and welcome to another edition of Sports Stars Camogie. And what a start to the championship we had. Goals aplenty, copious amounts of skill and a little bit of controversy as the Glen Dimplex Camogie Championships got up and running. This Saturday is even busier with the Intermediates full card getting underway. Joining me is Darren Kelly. And Darren, you were out in the boat, so I bet you enjoyed some of the action last Saturday. Yeah, Kelly, we certainly were hyping up the opening round of the Senior Championship in the Glen Dimplex All-Ireland. Um, and it was a couple of games that definitely lived up to it, like Tipperary and Clare. And as you mentioned there, we'll talk about the end of that game in the base, a draw match. We are wondering, would Tipperary respond to the Munster semi-final defeat? Um, Clare playing like their fourth week in a row, which colours how much of uh, toll was that going to take on them? And of course, myself and Elaine Elwood had the honour of being in uh, Walsh Park for Dublin and Waterford, which was always going to be a very, very important uh, tie as well. Went down to the wire, two-point ball game, Ashley Maher, the star of the show, that it was others for both teams as well, with Dublin, a big victory against a team that beat them by 14 points last year as well. They were the two massive results of the weekend, though you can't ignore Antrim's comprehensive results against Offaly, not just because they won, but the way they turned the game around and won by double digits in the end. The big three did pick up their expected victories, so going, he can't even meant to work for it for a while. Cork as well, it has to be said. First, it was whether that was just a bit of um, uh, cobwebs in the first day or not, time will tell. But uh, definitely a, a good first round overall, Killian. Yeah, well, we maybe have a look at some of them more in depth. Uh, as we do every week, we urge our growing patrons, listen to us, to tell your friends and families about our exciting content, uh, which for just €5 Euro a month gets you access to some great material on women's GAA that stretches across the week. So what have we got coming up? Well, we look at some of the Camogie news doing the rounds this week and reflect on the results from last weekend. That's all coming up in part one. Part two, we hear from Antrim manager Elaine Dowds on their start to life in the senior ranks. And we also hear from player welfare and inclusion coordinator with Camogie Association, Louise Keane, on the announcement of the Pride Round. And in part three, we focus on Wexford Waterford Dublin versus Tipperary before concluding with a shot at calling the results in the other fixtures and see how that goes. So, well, Darren, like we'll be hearing from uh, Louise in the next uh, few minutes there, uh, the obviously the player uh, welfare and inclusion coordinator with the Mogi Association. Um, your thoughts on the Pride Round announcement? I think it's absolutely brilliant, Killian. I tweeted about it at the time it came out as well. It's something the AFLW have done and done very, very well. And I was always hoping some sporting organisation in Ireland would, you know, stand up and acknowledge inclusion uh, throughout and thankfully the Camogie Association. And like one thing, Killian, we have to give the Camogie Association their due. Um, we're critical of them at times of some <laughs> elementary uh, cock-ups here and there. But they, they have really in the last year and a half since the president came in and stepped up with inclu- inclusion and all that um, and highlighting like when they did the sponsor last year they, they used that to um, support organisations as well and this with the Pride Round as well and I think it'll be a wonderful thing over I think it'll be over two weekends because round three is split between the two groups in the senior championship as well but uh, kudos to the Camogie Association for stepping up and delighted to see it happen Yeah and it'll be great to see and as we hear from Louise um, you know she's looking for different initiatives I, I, I think there might have been uh, some crews out there wondering did they have to go down to the depths that the AFLW do and I think don't they change the, the jerseys and everything like that um, but I, not just I, I that, Killian, they actually play, players designed those jerseys as well. And who knows, yeah, maybe that yeah. is something that could happen as well. I know Galway already have the rainbow on their jersey going forward this year too. Um, so, you know, there's so many different things that could happen over time. Like the thing this year is is 
to get out there to, to promote it, to highlight it, and who knows yeah. what way it could go, and this should become an annual event. Yeah, and I believe, I, I do think, isn't there a document in play that... Uh, for 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 suggestions and everything as regards going forward, so I think you know, in fairness to Louise, she is putting it out there and uh, you know allowing people to take some element of control of it um, to to suggest going forward. So you know, we'd urge everyone to get involved if that uh, document is still active and and uh, obviously uh, I'm sure Louise would welcome any kind of suggestions. And as you said, Darren, you know it's a toe in the water anyway, and uh, hopefully you know utilise you know to some benefit going forward. Yeah, it's definitely Killeen as well. It just goes to show the maturity of modern Ireland as we move forward to the Camogie Association taking the lead. And of course, um, like we know an awful lot of players are affected this as well and it helps them to, makes them feel part of everything going on too. And even some that we wouldn't know were not county players, the club players that are probably in silence at the moment too. So I think it's a great initiative of the Camogie Association, driven by so many players as well as Louise too. I'm looking forward to being involved over the two weekends that happens. Yeah, well, we look forward to it and we're uh, looking forward to seeing what initiatives uh, the various counties and, and as Louise mentioned, uh, coming up as well, uh, the clubs uh, that are uh, involved, uh, called into it as well. So, uh, Darren, a bit of controversy, and you know, it, it tends to go hand in hand, but like, it, look, it's across, it's across all sport and it keeps us uh, interested, of course. The scenario in the rag where a last minute free in injury time, whatever exactly the time of the clock was, was allowed to be taken. And then the whistle is blown for full time just as it basically leaves cut the van's hurl and it flashes to the back of the net. And, you know, remonstrations with the referee and Justin Heffernan says, well, I call full time and, and that's it. Um, something like that shouldn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't look good, Killian. Let's say first how it looks from the outside looking in as well like you give a team a free at the end and you don't even give them a chance to uh, make something happen over it as it turned out uh, caught the van did put the ball in the back of the net now when I say that and I understand how frustrated and angry Tipperary would be we have to ask two questions as well in this first was Eamon McGrath told before and this is the last puck of the game this is a regular thing that does happen it just doesn't stand out because normally the shot will go directly over over the posts and you know maybe that was said so Justin Heffernan made the decision that when uh, the free wasn't reaching the goal to blow the whistle uh, it still doesn't look good but at least I'm trying to put understand how yeah. the decision yeah, yeah. came about and secondly we have to ask as well if the whistle did go as the ball was landing on the ground did Claire stop and did that allow Cotterfan the opportunity to go and take the strike? You know, there's no point giving a team a free unless you're going to see if they can finish off the move. And especially with so, so much distance back as well. Um, and that's just using common sense. But again, if he's gone by letter of the law and the time had gone and he said, listen, this is the last chance, go for the direct score. Again, I have to ask the question, did the referee let Eamon McGrath know that? If he did, well, then really nobody can have any complaints. Um, as, as annoying as it is, but if he didn't, you know, yeah, it, it doesn't look good. It's sad that that's the thing we're picking out of a great open weekend, but it's understandable why it is because it could be a crucial decision going forward. Like tip, that decision costs Tipperary two points, rightly or wrongly. It gained clear a point, rightly or wrongly. And like with Tipperary in the back foot going into the game against Dublin this weekend, you know, they're going to be playing catch up for a while in this competition too. So you'd like to see a bit of common sense. If you're giving the team a free at the end, at least give them a chance to see how the score breaks out. But you have to qualify that with when the whistle went, they cleared a stop. And then that's how the fan got the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's something I probably would have to watch back in that that scenario. 
Um, I, I just feel as 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 you rightly say there, um, you know, you 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 play it out, you just avoid all elements. Well, that's what was happening. There was a point in it, and the team was going for an equaliser. Yeah. No officials yeah. and all, and and administrators will deny that to the hilt. Uh, but that happens in every sport. You know, if that was a, if Tipperary were chasing an equaliser, you would feel that play would have finished out whether it ended up being a goal or a point but then again would clear which colours uh, were clear distracted by a whistle you know so we, you know, we have to take that into account but uh, it do, like it, it is it doesn't look good like because at the end of the day we're talking about a controversy at the end of a match that didn't need to be talked about you're given the free let's just see how the play pans out who knows maybe if you didn't blow the whistle Claire would have won the ball and cleared it away and it'd be gone personally myself Gillian and I uh I've said this before, even talking about the men's game, I've always been in favour of the game doesn't stop and the ball goes dead. You know, yeah. like what happens in rugby. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if that was play was going on, like, and this is not against Justin Heffernan, fairness, he's only following the rules that are there. But, you know, it happens so often there, like play, in the middle of play, our team is trying to gain an attack. It's also, this hasn't happened before across the whole four Gaelic games codes or in other sports. But I mean, why not wait till the ball goes dead? So Tipperary are free, even McGrath are free, right, the next time the ball goes out over the line or out for a sideline, then the game goes dead. If Tipperary get a score out of it, grand. If Clare don't, at least if Clare know the time is up, they can just... Fire the ball out over the end line, one side of the field. I think it works in rugby. It creates excitement at the end because a team is trying to keep the ball alive and the other team is trying to kill it. In this case, being a draw, both teams probably would have kept to go. We could have enjoyed another minute or two uh, of a cracking camogie match. And if it did go dead, a draw match, fair enough. And it avoids situations like this. Absolutely. And, and, and I think it actually takes a bit of pressure off the referee then hmm. uh, when it comes to that. Uh, because as you said, rightly around, you know, uh, I, I, the ball going dead. And sure, like you said, if it goes on for five or six minutes, so, yeah. you know, so be oh, it. the to say it's time up to the players in the field are aware of it. And it's up yeah. to the players to get themselves organised. And then yeah. play play continues on until the ball goes dead. And that, I will keep that down to just wide the sidelines because, you know, freeze can happen and they can become tactical and we see that happening in rugby. Um, but at least then pressure's off the referee. He just follows the play, makes the decisions, and the ball goes dead, call it up. If Tip get a score, if Claire go down the other end to get a score, or nobody gets to score. That's it. Nobody's talking about the referee, talking about a cracking battle, uh, low-scoring battle between two teams that have ambitions going forward. That's what we should be talking about in the opening should we talk about positions. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe something to look at as, as we go forward. Um, sticking with referees, Darren, uh, seems to be, you know, again, a bit of discussion about the down Kenny game and the the amount of frees that was awarded. Yeah, I think Vanula was at this game watching it as well. And I suppose it comes down, Killian, to the inconsistency. Like, um, we were there, uh, myself and Elaine were down in Walsh Park uh, for watch Andy Larkin against Dublin and the players were let off from playing the first half. Like, any decision had to be stopped, had to be stopped. And in the second half, the whistle was blown a bit more often as well, where we heard from Downing Kilkenny, there was the stop, start, annoying, officiating, uh, which is just following the rule book again. And again, like, well, the rules have, have made a few changes to um, allow players to play more. Sometimes officials are not catching up with that as well. And look, at the end of the day, regardless of what people think of the decisions that are made, they just want it to be consistent. Uh, and you get one game like the Cybers at where players were less expressed themselves and play for a while. And you get another game like Down Kenny where any form of minimal contact ends up the whistle being blown and ends up spoiling the contest. Like from what I hear about that game down, you know, put it up to Kilkenny for a while. And it went as far as they could. You wouldn't have expected them to go to 60 minutes. But 
if that was happening every game, there wouldn't be as much complaining. But like, look, we want the product to be good and we want the product yeah. to be exciting. And as we said numerous times in this podcast and what numerous people have said outside of here and even in the corridors of Crow Park is that, that these players are so conditioned now that we have to let them off and hurl a little bit. And it's shown in the last couple of years with some of the great finals we've watched both at club and county level. So uh, a start like this, it can throw a team off, but more thing, it throws the team off and the next game could be referee completely different. Look, refer- these referees are good. I got to meet a lot of them there recently at the awards function, uh, but they just need to you know, have a more chats with each other in regards to what way this is going to be done and maybe bring in some of the powers as well, though what rules need to be focused on to allow them to do that because there's no reason why these players can't be let hurl their grace hurlers and now that we're doing more double headers. We want to encourage people to be coming to see that. And I know Down Kenny wasn't Absolutely. a double header, but I mean, if you were going up there to watch that with a double header with some other men's match and you're seeing stop start, you go, I wouldn't go see that again. Mm, exactly. Exactly. Uh, my thoughts exactly on it. Um, and look, I see the Camogie Association as well in the last 24 hours have, uh, you know, uh, re-established our referees pathway and initiative and obviously looking for new referees. So, you know, again, maybe we... <laughs> We need to take the, the whistle down and, uh, and get out there ourselves as one or two referees, I'm sure, will remind us of. But uh, <laughs> yeah. well, even as you say that, Killian, too, and like uh, we both said it before, we don't we, we try not to be critical of referees. We do have to talk about big big decisions or, 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 or talking points in the game because I know me seven units on rage, too, and I'm sure you've done it as well. It's not an enjoyable thing. It's, it's uh, difficult being the man in the middle, but they do love it and they are good at it in general. We do try not to do it, but when people bring up valid talking points, we the onus is on us here to discuss it, and that's all yeah. we can do. Like, absolutely. Well, from the games, then over the uh, weekend in the Glen Dimplex All Ireland Senior Camogie Championship, uh, comprehensive win for Antrim over Offaly, and we'll hear from Elaine Dowds in part two uh, on that. Uh, a bit of a, a slow start, and then once it got to the grips, they got away. Kilkenny, as we said, even though from that. A uh, high free count. Uh, eventually, came out there on top by one twenty three to one ten. Unusual, maybe to see the amount of uh, points scored in a Camogie match in in some ways. Uh, Dublin and Waterford was the game that you were at, uh, Darren. And you know, you quickly made mention of it there in in our introduction. But uh, you know, a, a great turnaround in in the sense of Dublin coming from where it was against the same opposition last year uh, to be able to get the win, especially in Walsh Park. Yeah, but a massive result for them as well. It's year two of Adrian O'Sullivan's reign, Killeen, and of course, you have to see progress this year. We saw it in the league, finishing third in their group, uh, no fear of relegation. And when I mentioned relegation, it was Dublin, of course, that relegated Waterford in last year's league. And then Waterford got the response and beat them two seventeen to nine points in the championship. Now, going down to Walsh Park on Saturday, um, it felt like a knockout match because it was so important. This, of course, the perceived group of death that includes Cork and Tipperary as well. And whoever was to lose this game was going to be in the back foot especially Waterford who were the home team and quarterfinalists the last four years but uh, Dublin were up for it at the start you know they were level so many times too it was a real battle between both teams and like we've talked before about Waterford missing so many players but I mean like there was a lot of the band back together like you know like Shona Kernaby though stand out there um, Sibel Harney as well not involved but I mean they still feel the 12 of the last year's championship team uh, Dublin though had a lot of changes uh, there's been a lot 
lot of youth points into the setup again this year as well. Um, Adrian Sullivan really starting to put his blueprint on this team as well, and some of his leaders stepped up too. Like Ashton O'Neill hit over a few great points in the contest as well. I'd say three memorable scores. Jody Couch on target as well, but Ashley Maher was the real leader that stepped up in this game from the start. She didn't miss one free or right, but create working moves down the right to get a score too. And of course, the penalty slid sweetly into the top right corner. If you haven't seen it yet, anybody just check the stream service or whatever and see it because it was a wonderfully taken penalty and it proved to be the difference between the teams. Dublin were three points up at half time, one eight to eight points. Now, as I mentioned earlier on, referee let them off and hurl, probably not as much in the second half too as well, but well, Waterford huffed and puffed in the third quarter and like something like they did against Wexford in the league semi-final, they weren't, they weren't getting scores. Like Beck Carton did get a few as well. Um, uh, Abby Flynn was on target too and some others. Uh, a big talking point at the end and certainly one I felt the Waterford were hard done by was the uh, red card for Claude Carroll. It was a challenge in Ashley Mara. I thought the official missed the foul the other way at one stage and whatever happened because you know when you're following the play you, you don't see the, mm. the follow on through though I have seen some of the video uh, footage of it since and I certainly did think that um uh, that uh, Claude Carroll was hard done by as well. It proved to be a second yellow card. And at that stage, of course, it put them down to 14 players. And I think there was only a few minutes left. I think it was 110 to 12 points at the time. But Waterford had plenty of chances to save this beforehand. Dublin just got home with the job at hand. And Ashley O'Neill uh, got the last score of the game to give them a two-point victory. Look, for Dublin now, Killian, which got it, it's... it's we only a few years ago with this team, yes, a lot of changes in personnel, but this team were in All Ireland semi final. They have Tipperary at home, a game they felt they left behind them in the league this year. You can set them on the run. Waterford now, they're taking on Wexford at home again. They would have targeted these two matches to get up to a good start. Um, well, Derek Lines was unhappy with the decision regarding Claude Carroll. He had no complaints about the defeat. He knew they had their chances, especially in the third quarter. They didn't take it. Waterford up against it now. They have to be Wexford this weekend to have any chance of staying in this championship. Right, we'll have a look at them in part three and more uh, depth. Just uh, quickly, Darren, as we come to the end of part one, um, you know, for the two All-Ireland finalists uh, and, and the league finalists, obviously, this year, you know, comprehensive enough victories, a little bit sticky starting off, but, uh, you know, kicked on then uh, supremely in the end. Yeah, well, exactly as we expected in all two games, and even the Kenny uh, down match that we were talked about earlier on, we should give a to Denise Gall, who scored 13 points in that game for Kenny. For Galway, well, Limerick stepped with them at the start, but the goals were crucial. Neve Hanavy and Carrie Dolan, and of course, it was the Neve Hanavy show. She got the uh, hat trick in the second half. Like, it's very hard to be critical of Galway when they're winning at the moment and they're league and all Ireland champions. But I mean, Neve Hanavy's a player that's been playing completely out of position. She's not a midfielder, she is an attacker. I do believe she played the game at wing forward the last day which he's done before I've said numerous times both on local radio and here Eve Hanavy is the full forward that Goy have been waiting for and you do have options with the two McGraths and Ailish Riley when they're on the field to play them in different in, in different positions but Neve Hanavy certainly laying a marker down there that she's a player for this Galway team and a big victory for them the only game you're on about there killing was Cork against Wexford yeah I, I need to see Wexford in the flesh soon because a team that are league champions like they only got four points against Kilkenny one six in this game 
game as well. Uh, it was tight in the scoring for a while. They did get a goal to bring it back to a five-point ball game. Amy O'Connor is just on fire at the moment for Cork as well, getting up the scores. Like, you know, Fanula has picked Cork to be All-Ireland champions too, but I don't feel Wexford, like Wexford games against Kenny and Cork recently, I don't feel they put a glove in them. And I'd be very concerned for them going ahead to this game against Waterford at the weekend. It's a big game for them as well as Waterford too, but it's very, very low scoring for a team with plenty of talents. I know you don't, you don't, you want to be holding back a bit against these top teams, but you know, you have to, you have to ask the question too, and yeah. them as bonus matches. I think Wexford have missed, missed this on two occasions here now, the Leinster game against Kilkenny and this game against mm. Cork. Mm. Well, there you go, two fourteen to one six, and I, I think it could have been even more substantial. Uh, the Premier Junior saw victories for Cavan, a fine win to go to the rag, and I, I think it secured that. And that really, I suppose, puts the uh, question marks maybe over some people tagging Tipperary as favourites in that Premier Junior. Antrim, uh, Clare, and Armagh—they um, uh, all came out with big wins. Uh, Darren, you know, again, you're probably looking at those four that came away with the victories. They're they're the ones that are going to be in serious contention, aren't they? Yeah, just very quickly, Cavan beating Tipperary as the result of the weekend because like we still with a Tipperary second team, you don't know what way they're going to be. It was a massive game for Cavan, especially going to the rag. They delivered the one-point victory as well and have to be really uh, dreaming about Crow Park at the moment. Um, Clare be, hammering Mayo has to be a massive result as well. Like Not that Clare won the game, but I mean, nobody expected a 22-point margin. It's going to be a big test. Excuse me, a big test for this Mayo team going forward now to respond because they are a young side as well. And maybe we're putting too much expectation on them to be moving forward. But like Claire certainly mean business here. Uh, the other group, Armand and Antrim, are going to be all Ireland semi finalists, Killian. Let's call it as it is because what's common have been poor, Limerick have been poor, Downham were poor in the league as well. Maybe there'll be a turnaround for them. And uh, no surprise whatsoever, those big results for Armand and Antrim. They'll be all Ireland semi finalists. The other group will be interested now, Tipperary respond. Um, I think Waterford's the other team in the group. Group that didn't play as well, but uh, we'll see if Tipperary can get themselves back in this. But Claire and Cavan, I think you're right there, looking like the four semi finals with the four winners last weekend. And now, Darren, my one gripe is that uh, one other fixture was added to the, the, the menu only on Friday. Um, now, I would imagine both counties knew about this uh, before Friday, but it eventually was only confirmed. I have an issue with the fact that a championship game can just be moved let's say that I, I feel when you're coming to the championship you're trying to promote the games and whatever that you know you stick to the calendar and and uh, you, you you see out the games no matter no matter what is thrown up it doesn't happen as far as I'm aware in any other sport that we could have a game which I think was penciled in for round three all of a sudden uh, be launched in like if, if this game could have been played why was the intermediate championship start last weekend uh, the same as every, as everybody else I, I don't know how you feel about it Galway got the victory but uh, they defeated Leash by 20 points to 12. Yeah, look, um, first things first, I have no issue with the game being moved. I think it was a request from Leash, right? Well, I do have an issue with it's happening so, so late. Like you just made a great point there. Don't be promoting the competition. This is the first game in the Intermediate Championship. The Intermediate Championship was deliberately put back a week to allow the first teams to get out and about. But, like, being from Galway, I was well aware of this rumour during the week. Uh, I knew what's happening, but nobody was officially coming out and confirming it until very, very late. It led to no promotion of the game. Uh, like I looking at their very social media accounts in both counties, it was like an afterthought of a match. Like, you know, I, I think uh, both teams only just threw up a halftime and a full-time score of the game too as well. And like, that's unfair in Leash. Now look, there was, I'm sure, genuine reasons why Leash has to bring the game forward. And it's a great to Leash are back out in the field to play after all the talk we had about them before too. But I mean, these teams, it shouldn't be an afterthought. This is what we're trying not to do as well. Like the Intermediate Championship kicks off this weekend with some big games going forward as well. And this game just tossed in there 
like if it had been decision to be made on Tuesday or Wednesday, this is, this is happening. Promote it properly like every other game. I'd have no issue with it. Um, I'm sure there's genuine reasons why Leash can't play the weekend of round three. But, you know, leave it until the Friday and after thought in there, who knew it was on? You know what I mean? Like you have to go really looking to find out information on this as well. As it turned out, goal, we got the expected victory, but Leash put up a credible showing. Hopefully for Leash going forward, they can um, add to that big game coming up against Kerry this weekend. Uh, Galway are going to be serious contenders in this competition. Yeah, you'd imagine. You'd imagine. So, it, look, it probably goes back to the factor as well that once the draws are made, I think the fixtures need to be put out uh, a little bit sooner and then maybe there's not this lateness in switching. I still... Yeah, there's a switch right there. Don't. Just bring it, like I have told earlier, that decision should be made a week out. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I even think the fixtures and 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 knowing when the dates are, it shouldn't it shouldn't be as late sometimes as it comes about. But anyway, I still have the great that the game has moved. But there you go. Anyway, we're going to finish up on part one. Hopefully, we'll be a bit more positive before the end. Uh, after the break, we talk to Elaine Dowds and Louise Keane. Stay with us. I like listening sports says because I like to listen to. Ladies football and ladies camogie. Okay, you're welcome back into Sports Stars Camogie and we are heading up north and heading to uh, the Glens of Antrim to speak to Elaine Dowds, who of course is the manager of the Antrim team. And uh, Elaine, let's firstly uh, welcome you to the programme. And, um, you know, look, we, we, we haven't met personally before, but uh, I have to say I've been seriously impressed with your with your management so far this year with the Antrim unit and you know things are obviously are progressing as probably would it be fair to say to some extent better than you might have expected um yeah this weekend passed i mean i suppose for us to be up in senior um yeah i mean we were very very excited uh to, to kind of see where we're at maybe but also maybe to see how far away we're at you know playing division two we had no clue uh, at what level we're really at. Um, so, I mean, Offaly was a good game to start off with. Um, and, I mean, I won't, won't lie, I'll say we were definitely nervous going into the match. Uh, I mean, you could tell that the first 15, 20 minutes, we were a bit unsettled. They came at us really, really, really hard. It took us a wee while to settle down to it. But, you know, once we get into it, yeah, um, I was really pleased, actually, with the way that we performed Saturday. Really pleased. Um, and as much as I mean, I can't tell you everything that you want to know about yourself. At least, uh, I suppose it can reassure us that we are able to compete in senior. And I suppose mm-hmm. that was a fear that we had, you know, because you don't know you're coming from division two, you're coming from intermediate, and you don't know what you're going to be like. You you don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. And I suppose like we had, well, of course, uh, yeah. Until, until it starts out, obviously, yeah, yeah. We, I I'll come back to Saturday in a minute because I, I just want to reflect on the division two campaign. I know, obviously, getting to Crow Park, big, big deal to get back there. It didn't go your way that, that that particular day. So I'd imagine, you know, as a manager, you know, I would think it can go one or two ways, I would imagine. that You know, that do the girls pocket the hurt and it just maybe infects them a little bit and they're, they're not able to deal with it or they bounce back. So that seems to be maybe, you know, judging by Saturday's result, um, dealing with that, you seem to have dealt with it fairly well. Okay, yeah, like uh, Croke Park, it was, yeah, we just, 15 minutes, we were like, we're rabbits in headlights. I don't know what happened to us, but, you know, I would say that, you know, take away the three goals in Croke Park, we actually competed okay with Wexford, but, I mean, after the match, we were absolutely got it. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. We were got it with the way that we performed. We were got it that we didn't perform the way that we can. Um, 
but give that a day or two. We were we were able to sit back and reflect and say, you know, right, A, B, C, D, E, F, G went wrong, but here's what we need to do to improve. And I mean, we we did a a, a lot of work last year, mental strengths. Uh, and I think they were able to just like uh, sort of kick that learning that we'd done, all that work that we'd done. We were just to uh, just use what we'd learned to to turn what was a very negative situation around and, and to focus on the positives. I mean, and I suppose I look at that as almost then like uh, a starting point for the rest of the season, if you know what I mean. Mm. So we then went into the Ulster final a few weeks later against Down. And um, I mean, I was quite... I was happy with the mental strength that we showed that day and the way that we performed. And again, as much as we were nervous last weekend, it was, you know, yeah, we were able to be, yeah, no, 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 I'm happy enough for that. And we used Wexford as kind of almost like a a, a new starting point for mm. the, the rest of the season, yeah. Okay. And I, 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 do you think the provincial series benefited you then in some ways, even, you know, let's say sometimes... You hear some counties maybe that the provincial series can be cumbersome because it obviously doesn't lead into the All Ireland series and whatever. But I just kind of felt maybe it it it, it threw the shackles off he then a little bit after whatever hangover let's say came out of Crow Park. Yeah, like we've actually um, kind of the way that we went into this Ulster final was we need a tough game. Uh, we need to show what we're about down our senior camogie team, uh, and this will show where we are at. We've actually competed really, really well with Down in the last couple of years, but couldn't really get that 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 age over them. You know, been beat by a point or by three points. So, I mean, that was uh, that provincial final was absolutely a massive, massive game for us. It was really, really valuable, uh, especially in terms of getting a game of that standard because we could not get a challenge game. Um, so, you know, we were looking at it as right. You know, let's see where we're at mentally, and let's see where we're at performance-wise as well, and let's see the progress that we've made from last year. And I mean, that actually was that was a massive, massive day for us to to play that match and to win it. It was really massive. So, I mean, that probably set us up really well for for senior championship. To be honest, do you feel for yourselves now, and and you as the manager, um, you've had, you know, that's it. Not beat around the bush, you had big boots to fill. You know, the, the, the crew that have obviously been there previous and everything and laying down, you know, the standard and, and you know, and I, I know obviously the part that you, you obviously play, but you, you're now out front, you're in the senior championship. Um, you know, how, how are you adapting to the, to, to the role that you're now currently in? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely fine. I mean, I kind of, <clears throat> last year I was kind of left to kind of run things anyway. So I kind of had, uh, <laughs> I kind of had control over, you know, basically the running of things, and then you just had somebody uh, to come in and do the coaching and be the manager. So, I mean, really, there's not that much has changed this year. <laughs> to be honest, you know what I mean? Like, there's that extra pressure, which I didn't really want. To be honest, I didn't want to be the manager, and that's the truth. Um, mm. There's that extra pressure of I have really, really good relationships with these girls. Mm. I have known most of them. Uh, since they were 11 years of age coming through school Mm. Um, so I didn't I was definitely not I didn't want to be the manager because I thought well my relationships break down now because I'm going to have to be hardcore you know Mm -hmm. I always was able to take that wee step back last year because that was not my responsibility Um, (laughs) but no you know any decisions that have been made this year like I've spoken to the girls and and it's not. It's it's been okay because they're very respectful. They they understand where I'm coming from, and you know I think the relationships are strong enough to to take us through this year. So no, it hasn't been awful so far. In fact, I've really it's been fantastic. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Right. 
Very good. For someone who, as you said, didn't want to be in the role, but there you go. Um, <laughs> let's let's turn then to reflect on Saturday. And I'm thinking of a similar situation last year. Down, come down to Walsh Park in Waterford, back up at senior level, and there's a spot and opportunity of, okay, whatever comes, comes after today. But if we win today, we're effectively securing our senior status. And they, it didn't work out for them. And okay, they went down then to the practically the, the closing stages of the championship last year to secure their status. Would that have played any factor in down uh, in Antrim when you're heading to St. Brendan's Park in Borough? You know you're going into a, you know, you don't know what offer you're going to be like. They, they haven't had a fantastic championship, but they still turned out in a win when they needed to. They're on their home turf. You don't know what's going to be produced there. So... You know, is that kind of, there was a certain nerve, I'd imagine, hidden in the gates and burrowed last weekend. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it was definitely nervy. Nerve the bus was very subdued, you know, and for anybody that's ever been on our bus going to a match, it's, uh, it can be a little bit mental. And that's not to say that they're not focused, but the bus was definitely quiet on Saturday. Now, that's probably because Russian Cormac wasn't on the bus. Um, but yeah, it, it was quieter than normal. Even the change room was quieter. And I, I, I feel that... You know, we kind of had looked at Offaly. I've watched all the games, and I think that A, it was our first game in senior, but B, if we were going to target a team that we could potentially, you know, compete against, it would be Offaly. So the, there actually was a lot of pressure on us, and it was, there was pressure on us to win that game and stay up in senior. So, yeah, absolutely. There's definitely nerves. Uh, we got off to not not what I would call a very uh, good start against Offaly. You know, for mm. 10, 15 minutes, it was rope enough. Um, you know, they come at us and they come at us hard. Uh, they went out in front, but I suppose you know we have that we do have that resilience where we can just nick a wee point here, nick a wee point there, mm. always to stay in it, just long enough to give us time to settle, and then to be honest, we just can open it up. Mm. You know, we yeah, well, uh, it, it, yeah, if you don't look, if you don't mind me saying it, I, I, I'm probably surprised it took Antrim as long to get to the senior championship. It has maybe the level of you know maybe just it all needed to come together and it finally has, but. To me, you have that little bit of an X factor that is driven down the core unit of your field that I think, you know, once you probably get over those initial nerves in Borough, because I have to say I was surprised the score was as close as it was, but that's maybe credit to Offaly as well. But once you opened up, it obviously, you know, the scores piled on then. And, uh, you know, it just seemed to be, you know, a relieving of that little bit of nerve that was probably on the bus. Yeah, like, as I say, um, I think we do miss Rushing if she's not on the bus. She, she met us there. She came from Dublin. Um, uh, and I mean, she's a massive character and she brings a, um, a bit of banter and a bit of crack. She gets the music on in the bus and it, it really lightens the mood. You know, when I, I um, yeah, I think we missed Russian a wee bit in the bus just to, for, for that effect that she has. Um, but yeah, there was, I think, massive pressure going into that game on Saturday. Really massive pressure. We knew we needed to win a game. Uh, Step up senior. We didn't really know what we were going to be like. And you know what I mean? It was just, yeah. There were definitely 15 minutes there where you were not just at the races. But as I say, got those couple of points to stay in it. And that was enough just to, you know, I suppose, let us settle. And then the belief that we have in ourselves, you know, and yeah, that, that, that all came through. And we just, we did, we opened up. Memo to seven for future games. Roshi McCormick must be on the bus no matter what part of the country she's in. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I will drive to Dublin and pick her up and take her up just to put her on the bus. <laughs> no, I think that's her home for the summer now, anyway. So. Very good. Well, then th th that covers that. Elaine, uh, my last question to you, and thanks again for joining us here 
obviously a different pressure this weekend though because you know you're you're playing your near neighbours. Uh, they have a little bit to fight for as well. They could be targeting this game. There's never too much between you, no matter what happens. I know maybe in the Ulster final he did kick on that little bit, but you know you wouldn't be taking anything for granted. No, absolutely not. Uh, like I mean, as I say, we've played them. I think maybe five, six times now in the last two years, and there's never really been anything. There's never been anything in it, really. Um, I think it just depends on the day. I would say that Downer are really hurting from the Ulster final defeat. And as you say, we'll be a team that they'll be targeting. Uh, I think they'll want payback. Uh, They're absolutely capable of doing it. I think it'll be a, a really, really, really different game. I think it'll be close, it'll be tight, it'll be aggressive, it'll be physical. Um, I think just whoever wins will just have to really grind out a result. Um, and I wouldn't expect to see as much lovely, open, gorgeous camogie, if you know what I mean. It'll, I think it'll just be right down to the wire. Now we're going to hear from uh, a representative of the Camogie Association because there's big plans in the coming weeks uh, with, with the whole element around of uh, inclusion and everything. And uh, we're going to hear from the Player Welfare and Inclusion Coordinator, Louise Keane, and she's joining me now on the line. Louise, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Gillian. Louise, we saw the, the publicity around it there in the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, a pride round uh, taking place. We're going to find out a little bit more about that shortly. But maybe, will you just fill us in on your role? Um, you know, these uh, this element, I suppose, of inclusion within associations has probably been something that's, uh, you know, a, a, new, a newly kind of created title in recent times. Yeah, um, I suppose it is. But my my role is uh, it's quite a varied one. Um, covering player welfare and inclusion. So, um, I suppose in a nutshell, it's it's basically to kind of manage and um run if you like um initiatives around player welfare and inclusion for for all our members, whether it's club or um or county. Um, so it's running those programs throughout the the association. So, um, I suppose my predecessor. Paul O'Donovan would have just had the player welfare side um, and the association went down the route of, of bringing in inclusion into it as well, which is great. Um, and it, it, you know, it means every day, every day is, is different when you come into work. It can, um, it can kind of encompass a, an awful lot of things, um, but that does make things exciting as well. So um, like everything from, I suppose, mental health to um, player welfare research, uh, we've you know have have a podcast around player welfare and um yeah it's it's quite varied um and adding the inclusion element into it as well is is really nice. Just give us the name of your podcast there, uh, Louise, in case anyone hasn't picked up on it yet. Uh, the Coaching Bubble Podcast. So um last year we ran a, a kind of a side um few episodes off that um as part of the player welfare kind of element um but now williams um looks after the the coaching bubble podcast which um, i think it's in its fifth or sixth season now so um it's absolutely flying and um definitely want to tune into okay well the best to look continued success uh, with that for noel and and, and your uh, your own involvement um so let's look at it then uh, obviously pride is it has become a major factor within society and the acknowledgement of it and you know there have been a few other organizations that uh, in sport in sport that have have done this um and you know did Komogi see an opportunity to follow suit um yeah well, i suppose 
uh, pride around the idea really came from from the AFLW over in Australia um, and seeing what they've done. Um, they've ran, ran Pride Round um, kind of, I suppose, more formally for the last two years, but really they've been doing things for probably the last five years. Um, so to kind of see what they've done and what they've put in place, um, you know, they have have teams designing a, a specific jersey for their round and everything, and um, they do they do quite a lot around it. Um, so I suppose seeing that and seeing it in, in action um, kind of, gave us I suppose the the idea um, and we've I suppose putting it putting it back to to our counties to get involved and um, I, show, I suppose show their their support and and celebrate it um, as well. Now Galway if I'm right kind of a little bit ahead of the curve I have a new jersey this year and uh, one of the sleeves is in the pride colour so are, are you looking at you know New Jersey's are you looking at maybe some element of the of the uh, uniformity of the kit? Let's say that for the third round might express some element of the pride. Yeah, Galway already have that in place, which is which is great. Um, we're not asking counties to to go to to those lengths. Um, you know, it's it's not. Um, I suppose it's not about actually putting an awful lot of um resource or money behind it and you know it would take that to, to do that with jerseys um you know we want them to do uh, i suppose even small things um whether it's taking a, a picture after a training session um with some pride flags and encouraging their club teams to do the same so that it spreads throughout the, the county itself um mm-hmm. it can be doing small educational pieces uh holding breakfast mornings anything it can be you know they can be as creative with it as they like as well um which i think gives them a little bit of ownership over too which is nice um but it's it's not about doing anything big. It's just really creating conversations and, mm-hmm. um, I suppose creating visibility um, and the opportunity for all of our members to be able to see themselves, um, you know, and and see an environment that's that's welcoming and inclusive and that they're celebrated in. Absolutely, and and and, and fair play, and wish everyone the 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 best of luck with it. Um, you know, and again, then you know, just on this, Louise, you know, with trying to change even mindset then within society if people start seeing it obviously in the playing fields and um you know women feel that a little bit more accepted under the banner then it it, it becomes a little bit more comfortable i suppose to express and to talk about so you know are, are we looking at then maybe do you see going forward initiatives like workshops and various different kind of uh, initiatives in that sense yeah absolutely um and in 2021 we ran workshops with a uh, shout out um, mm-hmm. so workshops for players for coaches for parents uh, for children's officers I suppose starting off that educational side of things um, and you know it's 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 about it I think sometimes we can get caught up in pride and we do things for pride month and, that, and that's it but we want it to be something that's a continuous thing that it's you know it's throughout the year there's 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 bits and pieces going on that we do create that education for for our members um and especially for the likes of our coaches our parents our children's officers our executive members that you know they're we're giving them the the resources and the tools that they need to be able to deal with anything on the ground I like listening to Sports Dad because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him. Darren Kelly.
Andrew, welcome back to part three. I have some great content there from Elaine Dodds and Louise Keane. And I imagine we might be hearing from one or both uh, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, Darren Kelly is uh, still with me and we're looking ahead to uh, the matches then. And a busy weekend, obviously, Darren. This is a full card now across uh, all the three grades. And uh, we're going to begin with the Glen Dimplex Senior uh, Championship Um Let's just look at Group 1 because that, that's where some of the key battles are taking place. Uh, we probably won't go into huge more detail now because we've already talked about uh, these in some uh, state. But uh, at 1 o'clock in Parnell Park on Saturday, Liz Dempsey is in the middle for Dublin in Tipperary. And this now, Darren, all of a sudden becomes a bit of a pressure game for Tipperary, doesn't it? Yeah, well, there's three games without a win, um, Gillian. And they did beat Limerick in the Munster quarterfinal and that um, heartbreaking one-point defeat to Galway in the National League as well. And, you know, like... The clear game, as I mentioned in the first part of the show, was a key one for them. That was the day for them to do the ambush as well and show themselves as all-iron contenders. So you would be very, very concerned for Tipperary going forward. Yes, they're missing players and all that, but they're going travelling up to a Dublin team that have momentum uh, and that have a win under their belts as well. Like For me, this is the game, the game of the weekend too. Um, if Tipperary win the game, yes, normal service can be, can be resumed and they get back on with the job and they have to because this Dublin team, like they're going to be hungry, they're going to work harder on the middle of the field. Tipperary have to match that which they're well capable of doing as well um, but tipped where you need to come out with this game with something if they lose this game to Dublin they're five points down based on what could happen results elsewhere all of a sudden the big four that we've all marked down as certainties to be in all-around semi-finals won't be as certain as it was Yeah and, and Dublin you know I would imagine Adrian happy enough with maybe how his project is moving uh, Darren he probably would have been looking at consolidating position maybe within the table targeting certain matches uh, that, that he knew that he, they really could have a battle at and probably attempting to lay a glove, uh, that uh, term that you use there in part one, uh, with regards to Tipperary and Cork. And that, that then could see them, you know, find themselves maybe in, into an All-Ireland quarterfinal. Uh, you know, he, he he's a home game though as well. Tipperary, as, we, as you might be able to say, it might be, over, well, not certainly all over the place, but are up in the air a little bit. We don't know what the real Tipperary is. So Dublin could seek and, 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 and sense an opportunity here. Yeah, and it's one thing we said with Tipperary, they seem to have a squad this year, but do they know the first 15? And of course, it doesn't help when you know the likes of Orlo Dwyer, for example, involved this year too. But just you mentioned Dublin there, and of course, on the outside looking in, it's easy for many pundits to say, you know, Waterford, Wexford and Clare are the three games that they be targeting. But Adrian O'Sullivan has not missed one opportunity, including when he spoke to you a few weeks ago, to talk about leaving the results against Tipperary behind in the league. I think he has targeted this game. Now that he's the win under the belt, this is the game that he really wants. And for Adrian Sullivan, they've nothing to lose in one way, Dublin, because, you know, if they lose the game, providing it's a, a single-digit margin, nobody will think any less of them as well. But if Dublin are to win this game, they'll make a big statement in this year's championship, putting Tipperary in the back foot. I think Dublin are going to be primed for this. I think this is going to be a great contest. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think it would be typical. Um, I think, you know, as you mentioned, Adrian, uh, you know, really putting it up now, I'd imagine, to his group. To, to kind of suggest right here here if you want to be taken seriously these are the games you want to go out and uh, as I said make make a decent contest of so you know yeah I agree with you I think one o'clock um, it's just a pity we we, we said we don't have a, a stream of it it would be a game really to, to look forward to but that game is uh, Liz Dempsey anyway in charge at one o'clock on Saturday uh, at five o'clock uh, South East Derby two teams now that you'd have to say Darren after the round one scenarios, Waterford are probably in a better situation 
Um, but we know after the league scenario and everything like that, that Waterford might be peppering here a little bit. So, you know, they might be targeting this game. But we need to see the real Wexford, uh, as you mentioned, uh, because we would have been disappointed with for showing in round one. Yeah, as we were saying earlier on, this for Waterford, this is the All-Ireland final. They cannot afford to lose this game after losing to Dublin. Mm. They lose their two home matches. Yes, they have Cork at home as well later on, but the Dublin and Wexford are the two games they targeted and they have to lose to Dublin as well. Look, Waterford have quality on the field to play. Like, as I mentioned uh, earlier on, like, you know, when you bet Carton, Neve Rockett, Vicky Wagner, Sarah Lacey, Lorraine Bray, like the names of the hunt, Kate Lynch, you know, just humming up Brianna O'Regan in goal. Um, but like Waterford are up against it. But Wexford, like, and Wexford were brilliant in, in the league, brilliant in the way they beat Waterford in the league semi-finals at that game, brilliant in the way they overcame Antrim and got the goals earlier. So we know it's in Wexford's locker. But again, they've scored 110 the last two games and maybe being a bit too conservative. You know, in fairness to Kevin Tatton, he's been very, very tactical. Maybe that's been done deliberately and they're going to express themselves more down in Walsh Park on Saturday. But I mean, they have to play better than what they've been showing in the last couple of games. Well, Waterford are going to be motivated for this after that league semi-final defeat. Waterford know they this, like the two teams playing, this is do or die for them. Like they have to get a result out of this. If Wexford win this game, Waterford are definitely gone. They're up against it to be still in this championship anyway. But Wexford will be in the back foot. Granted, their first loss was to Cork as well, but like the scores the Wexford have put in those two games have been very, very poor. And if they play anything like that again, uh, this coming Saturday, Killian Waterford are going to get the points. Yeah, a game Colin McAllister uh, at five o'clock. It still could be an interesting clash uh, between uh, both of those. As I said, uh, that the performance in the in the league semi final, I'm sure Waterford would like to put uh, put some mark again back on Wexford, and we wait and see that one. Uh, the live stream, you will be in Parky Rin, and Elaine will be quite thankful she doesn't have too far to travel at <laughs> uh, this time. Um, Cork against Clare, and uh, you know, I, as I've said here on this podcast, and I I, I hear. Uh, the work that, uh, that the Clare have, have been doing because I, I work with a, a man that's in part of the backroom team there and Niall Dewey, their strength and conditioning coach. Clare have certain aspirations this year. Darren, they're peppering along. They brought this Cork team to double extra time before Cork were able to put them away. You'd imagine there'll be a little bit of a different Cork in Parky Rindo at five o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, and I said um, before the start of the championship, as great as Clare's achievements were in the Munster Championship, they had to treat the first two games as bonus matches and they picked up a bonus point now with the with the draw against Tipperary. This is their fifth week out in a row, Killian. Like, this is bound to take its toll. And their game next week, which I think against Wexford, I think is the most important game of this one before they get a week off. Uh, look, Clare proven they're well capable of ma- matching Cork. They're going to go down to Porky Wren and go up against them. They've just great young players at the moment, express themselves We've always known the talent has been in Clare, waiting for it to come out. And we don't want to get too um, jumping ahead either because at the end of the day, they haven't actually achieved anything on paper yet, but they've shown that they can compete with these uh, top four, top five players. Like um, They got the crucial scores late the last day, Susan Daly and Chloe Mori free as well to make sure they got that point for Cork. Well, look, the thing about Cork is that um, they, they were shown wanting a little bit in the Monster Championship as well. And of course, against Galway in the league final too. So uh, Amy O'Connor, as I mentioned, earlier on has been flying it but have the rest of the players been flying it so I'm looking forward to seeing that Cork have all the 1-15 to in paper to compete in the All-Ireland as well they'll go into this game as favourites I do think they will win it simply based on the fact that Clare are playing five weeks in a row but again it gives us another idea what way both teams line up uh, moving forward in the Championship if Clare were to get another result and they can hold on and get a win next week which is next week is the big game for them it'll be massive for them going forward as well but for Clare they have to go in there and just go in to compete Win play Cork like they did in the Munster final, see what way it all falls at the end. But um it should be a good game. 
Yeah, it could be a good game. Five o'clock, Parky Rin and Ray Kelly in the middle. Uh, conscious of time, Darren, so we'll move on quickly. Then group two, could be another cracker in Ballycran. Uh, down, I'd imagine, smarting from the Ulster uh, defeat uh, against uh, Antrim. But Antrim are absolutely flying at the moment. Um, you know, if you were to be an outsider and not knowing anything about it, when you look at the scores recently, you'd expect Antrim to win this and win it comfortably. Yeah, like they beat Down in the Ulster final. Like we've met no secret of the fact we've been very, very disappointed with Down this year, especially in their performances against Tipperary in Dublin in the league. Uh, and Antrim beat them 3 12 to 14 points in the Ulster final. Uh, the last day, like if for Offaly's campaign which got it they needed to get something and it was looking good for a while there were four points up but then when Antrim got into their groove they got going Roshi McCormick 1-8 Andy McGill 2-2 Catherine Dobbin 1-3 as well Antrim have put themselves in pole position for this third slot as well and um, should be marking themselves against Galway Kenny. but that being said it is down against Antrim it is up in Ballycran down are going to be motivated for this and down were credible uh, against Kilkenny the last day. Um, like Anna Rogan got a goal as well. They stayed with them for a while before Kilkenny di- uh, did pull away with their superior, superior experience and fitness as well. Again, for Down is a massive match for them. They have to get a result. Antrim on form though are looking good. They've bounced back and responded very well to uh, the agreements they, uh, grievances they would have had from the league final. I think Antrim will win this game. I think it'll be much closer than their victory against Offaly. I think Antrim are a team marching on to the All-Ireland quarterfinals. Mm, interesting uh, to, statement there to make. Uh, Andy Larkin then is in the middle in uh, Nolan Park. When you look at Limerick's result and the state that they seem to be in at the moment, uh, you know, I, I, I think Kilkenny could afford to make a few changes here and win this game. Killian, uh, Limerick, um, now look, they, they went to McCallway for half a game or so and for John Lillis no doubt they'll try and do the same with Kilkenny they'll mark the other three games as well it's very hard to be inspired by Limerick at the moment the performances have been very very poor this year yes they were in Clare close in the league meeting between the teams as well and they had a good battle with Offaly in the relegation final but they're really having a rotten year it's just whatever's gone wrong down in Limerick it's it's like two years ago it's not happening for them like there's no doubt about this Kilkenny are going to win this game and win it very very comfortably might take them a bit of time to pull it clear but they will um Limerick and Offaly, you know, I know I'm jumping over to the other game as well, Killian, Offaly against Galway. Offaly will try and put in the credible showing against Galway as Limerick will against Kilkenny, but um, Galway and Kilkenny are going to be comfortable winners in their two respective matches. Yeah, Phil McDonald is in uh, Borough for that game at five o'clock. It'd be hard enough for losing two home matches in a row, but you'd expect that to be the case. Uh, quickly then, Darren, just in a word, we'll go down through the Glen Dimplex Intermediate Championship Group 1. You'd expect Galway to beat Carlo, I think, in Ballinasloe at two o'clock. Yeah, Galway will be favourites for that as well. Carlo haven't been going great this year too. They'll pick up one or two results you would imagine, but their target will be to avoid relegation. Lick at five o'clock, Kerry against Leash. Could be tasty. Well, it's a big one, Killian. I think I predicted Leash for a quarterfinal and you predicted Kerry. So our own little personal 50 cent bet in this one too. Kerry are at home though. You'd feel it might just be enough. Uh, Westmead up against the Grevels on the other side with Dublin in the Intermediate Championship. Um you know, I, I still fancy Westmead to be able to take the victory here. And, uh, you know, if they're to be serious about, you know, getting something in the Intermediate Championship, they have to be winning home matches. Oh, if Westmead don't win this, it's going to, the rug is going to be pulled out of them. Dermot Cal, like the game against the Dublin seniors in the Leinster Championship came too soon for them. This is a game they have to make a statement, a big victory. Dublin seconds haven't been going well under Jimmy Greville so far, but Jimmy Greville is a good manager and coach. No doubt he'll be more prime for the Championship as well. But I expect the Westmead by a few points. Great to see that game in Cusick Park as well. Group two, Wexford and uh, Cork at, at two o'clock. Um, you know, Cork, we're, we're tipping Cork for the Intermediate Championship. So, you know, you'd be expecting them to win here. 
Yeah, second teams of both counties as well. Like Cork played the Wexford first in the in the league, and um, which colours um, uh, they were made work for it too as well. But they should be good enough to beat the seconds. Derry and me could be close. It was very close in the met in the league as well. Um, both teams have big ambitions this year as well. They'll be treating this as a knockout match themselves. Whoever wins this will gain momentum. Very, very hard one to call, Killian. I'm going to give it to Derry just based on home advantage. And then finally, Kilkenny at two o'clock in Nolan Park. You know, they great to see that the, the two matches, uh, Camogie matches, are being played as a double header in Nolan Park. In fact, um, should have too much for Kildare. Although, although Joe Quaid will tell me, you know, Kildare are prepping along quite nicely. Yeah, Kildare have improved under Joe Quaid. They've shown that as well, making the Leinster final too. Um, Kilkenny, uh, like I think six or seven players from last year have gone into the senior setup as well. Um, you know, it's a tough one. This is a tough one. Um, again, and I'm probably copping out here by using home advantage to break up games at Kilkenny, but I think it's been much, much tighter than Kildare showings in last year's championship where they lost well to Kilkenny, Cork and Antrim. And then finally, Premier Junior Championship over the weekend. They're all at five o'clock. Roscommon and Limerick and Valley four and Armad down in the athletic grounds, which is great to see. Also, Mayo and Tipperary are in Turin and Cavan and Waterford are in Kinlalek in County Cavan. All those games said at five o'clock. Uh, quickly, Darren, you know, Roscommon and Limerick, uh, you know, it could, it could be a toss of a coin there uh, with, with them. Armand down probably. You expect Armagh to win, typically to bounce back, but that Mayo team be interested to see how the junk team respond and uh, Cavan taking on Waterford. Yeah, Mayo Tipperary is the game of the weekend there, Killian, especially to see how Mayo respond. And also Tipperary's respond from the V because they were relegated last year, they have ambitions of going back up. Armagh will beat down comfortably enough. Cavan, you'd imagine, will do the same against Waterford. Roscommon need to beat Limerick, but I couldn't say uh, with 100% confidence that's going to happen as well. It'll be an intriguing one to see uh, for Roscommon's sake. It is the Limerick second team at the end of the day. But no, Mayo Tipperary, if you're picking one game out, that's the game to watch. That's the game to watch. And there you have it. It's uh, been a swashbuckling ride over the last uh, few uh, uh, 40 minutes or thereabouts. Hopefully you've enjoyed the action. It's another sports that is camogie for myself and uh, Darren Kelly. Enjoy the weekend action. Good luck to you. Thanks, Gillian.